Welcome to Confessions of a Serial Seller. My guest today, he's a, a well-known TEDx speaker. He's a best-selling author of The Power of Connection, and he's a communication guru. He's an Australian legend. Rick Rushton, welcome to the show. Well, Tony, I'm going to have you introduce me all across the globe after that because I feel <laughs> uplifted to sort of find out what the next 20, 25 minutes of value is going to sound like. Thanks for the opportunity, my friend. Oh, thank you for joining me. So, Rick, you, you're a communication guru, which is what sales is all about, right? Tell, tell my listeners how you got into the world of communication and, and sales and influence. So what happened for me was I fell out of school, got a certain mark that allowed me to go to university to become a school teacher. Realistically, it was all I was good enough to do. And I thought, you know, really, that's not where I see myself going. I don't see myself standing in front of a class and teaching fundamentals. So I'll give something else a go. Um, what else is it that I could do potentially? I'd always spoken okay at school. Um, I was very much that sort of student, Tony, that would look for ways of getting away with it, not looking for ways to getting on with it. Yeah. So in terms of book reading, I think I've written uh, a best-selling book and another one. So I've written two books more than I wrote, read at school, if that makes yeah. sense. So yeah. uh, during book reports, I would actually ask the teacher, I would say quite clearly, Mr. Morris, is it okay if I actually give an, uh, a verbal finding of what I found about the book? And I'd just get a friend to give me two or three concepts about the book and I'd just string along a story. Now, yeah. I remember a report card in my year 10 year of high school which said basically... Ricky's going to either be in jail, leading the country, or leading a team in communication. Now, luckily, I've got the third one because I don't think I'm really <laughs> built for politics. And I, I think I'm too cute to end up in jail, if the truth be <laughs> known. So I think I had a bit of a natural gift to a degree to string words together, Tony. But it wasn't until I got into professional selling that I realised that communicating as I'm wired up, would really work well with everybody who I met and came across that could be easily influenced along the same lines, that valued the same things I did, that liked the same things I did. It wasn't until I realised that my hit rate could never extend beyond more than two out of ten before I really started to study communication and I was curious as to why I couldn't close more sales, if that's mm. the right terminology yep. to use. And a lot of it was because of the fact that quite clearly my early results were quite good in sales. I, was, mm. I sold heaps in my first six to 12 months, I sold plenty, I sold tons, I sold my car, I sold some furniture. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was horrific at sales, Tony, but I had a <laughs> boss at the time who said these key words to me. He said, I don't think your current results are a true reflection of your potential skills and ability. Now, I thought that was a really interesting way he described it. Your current mm -hmm. results aren't a true reflection of your skills, talents or abilities. I think what you need is a little bit of coaching around communication and connection. I'll never forget those words because that's really part of how I titled the book. And what he said was, it's very clear to me, he said, Rick, every time you're around someone who's just like you, you have a really compelling conversation and you go incredibly well. When you're around people who are 180 degree from you, you struggle to connect with them. Mm. And connection's not about, and selling's not about telling, it's about asking. Selling's mm. not telling, it's asking. If you ask enough questions, you'll find out enough answers by the answer from the consumer that allows mm. you to then know what to say next. So it's not about knowing what to say, it's knowing what to ask. I want to get you skilled up in that area. So what he did, Tony, he mm. sent me to a fair few courses. This is way back when. I mean, we're talking 1989, 1990. But mm. a lot of the training, Tony, for us was very American-based. It was yes. very sort of Tom Hopkins, you know, throw that porcupine yeah. back as a, as a scenario. Yeah. Uh, it didn't really kind of work well with us. I mean, the, 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 the sales champion stuff that we were being exposed to back then, Tony, was 
always answer a question with another question. So yes. the prospect says, you know, how many bedrooms does the home have? I'll, you know, I was in real estate sales. Yeah. And so the Tom Hopkins School of Training says, you know, throw the question back with the question. So it's like, how many bedrooms would you like? Yeah. How much land is it on? How much land would you like? I mean, eventually, you're almost in a cul-de-sac going nowhere. It's like a bowl of Singapore noodles. It doesn't finish. So at some stage, yeah. we've got to go, okay, let's now back that up with something more tangible. So what I've found is three things around my development in communication. Number one, if everyone was exactly the same, mm. there would be one TV station, one radio station. There wouldn't be a 10 cinema complex playing 10 different movies in your town. Mm. There'd be the same movie being played in 10 cinemas, but that doesn't happen. So what it is, is that there's different radio channels, different TV channels, different broadcast frequencies, mm. because people tune in at different levels and are inspired and influenced by different things. Now, mm. that was a revelation for me. And once mm. I understood that, I realized that, you know, it's a bit like driving, Tony. Anyone who on the road drives faster than us is a maniac. Mm. Anyone who drives slower than us is an idiot. Yeah. And everyone who drives just like us is another super intelligent person. Yeah. We need to find out what are the road conditions that we need to drive to to form a connection with these individuals so that it's not broadcasting on how we would like to broadcast, it's tuning into them. So the key fundamental and a great one to maybe mm. get our listening audience to really check in with a bit is we have to tune into who the prospect is before we broadcast as we are. So mm. it doesn't mean we're, we become unauthentic. That's not what I'm talking about. Mm. I'm saying if Tony is a considered individual who mm. loves to assess the information and needs time to think about it, I might have to move from a triple espresso talking like this to really yeah. slowing it down. Yeah, getting some rapport going, earning the right to keep on asking questions. Tony, it's clear to me that everything you've said suggests that we should be doing this moving forward. Can you see how we could add that? So even as I change my tonality in my voice, I'm probably getting a bit more rapport going with Tony. So yeah. I was very good at working with fast-minded, fast-thinking, fast-results people. Yes. And that worked well in real estate, Tony, for someone buying their first time and they're really excited to do it. Yes. But someone selling their last home where the kids have been raised and gone. Yes. Yeah, they don't want someone who is not a triple express. They don't want a double decaf. In fact, they probably wanted a chamomile tea. They wanted somebody <laughs> much more relaxed. So I think how I got my reputation, if you will, was probably being able to connect and collaborate and more importantly, move forward with a number of different personality types. So this was way before the, you know, the disc training or the yes. Myers-Briggs stuff. It was really just a, a boss who saw more for me than I could see for myself. Yes. He asked me to consider the advantage of maybe communicating differently with different people. I never thought that. I thought, you know, yeah. just here's the words and the way we go. But knowing the words to a good song doesn't make you a great artist, does it? So, you know, it might, it might help you out on a Friday night karaoke, but it's yeah. not going yeah. to help you be a great artist. So that was kind of it for me. But I'm probably talking very fast at the moment because I'm understanding no. that I'm wanting to add as much value in the time we've got. And I no, think I, the yeah. most important thing to understand is, is that we have to tune in before we broadcast. It's not about us. It's about them. It's never been about what we've got to sell. It's everything about what they're trying to achieve. And then we can show them how best we can help them achieve it. That's really the message behind what I do. So let me ask you this, Rick. I, I, I totally get your, your perspective there. How do you identify or how do my listeners, more importantly, identify what channel the prospective client is on? It's a great question. And especially in this day and age of isolation, a lot of our approaches are being done now, aren't they, in the virtual mm. world? And it's very hard to read 
body language over a phone conversation, mm. but I listen for a pattern of three things, how they use their voice. Yep. So their language, the manner in which they use it, words that they use, is it high auditory? I eat lots of, uh, Tony, great to chat to you. Love listening to you. Love to hear what you've got to say about the current market and whether or not, you know, we would listen to your advice to what we, you could tell us what we should do. So very auditory language there, Tony. Yeah. Whereas I'm hearing somebody saying, you know, Tony, Rick Rushton, here's my name. I'll be very, very brief. I'm very time poor. I need A, B, C, D. I'm thinking, whoa, yeah. that's, that's somebody who really wants to step up a bit. Yeah. And, and then you might get the, the person, Tony, who says, hi, Tony. Uh, my name is Rick. I'm just wondering if you might be able to, and in your mind, you're going, yeah, help you. I can get going. <laughs> yeah. It's like, can you speed this up? So I listen for a pattern of language. Yeah. Then I'll listen for a pattern of descriptive words. So when people say in a real estate sense, you know, in my career in real estate, it was always people would call in and say, uh, Rick, we've heard good things about you. We wonder what you've got to say about the market. We'd love to make a time to pop up and have a chat to you just about what we might be doing moving forward if we decide to actually sell our home. So that would be a very auditory person. So I'd use a lot of talk, sound, words. I'm yeah. listening. And so with them, the words listen and silence have the exact same letters. So they mm. love that sort of agent or they love that sales professional mm. who can listen first. They don't want someone to be their answer to their prayers until they've heard what they're actually praying for. So yes. yeah, they want that opportunity to collaborate and connect and have a discussion. That's the first one. The second one might be something like, uh, oh, hi, Rick, uh, my name's Tony. Um, we've been just keeping an eye on the market. We're observing a lot of sold stickers at the moment. And to the best we can see, it would appear that the market's on the move. We'd love to catch up with you, uh, see if you can show us what the... So hearing a lot of visual stuff there. Yeah. So I know that there are visual sort of... So three words are better than 33. Go very, very short on words. Go very long on visuals, mapping, mind mapping and, and yes. visual stuff along those lines. But the marketplace that I think we deal with a, a lot is the ones who go, look, our gut feeling is, our sense is, we've just got an intuitive feel about. They're very, what in the old NLP language, Tony, would be called kinesthetic people. Yep. So I'm listening for those sorts of scenarios and then I know how to broadcast back to them. Mm. Well, it would make sense then, wouldn't it, that we'd meet together, see if you even like me, because there's no sense, again, kinesthetic, yeah. no sense moving forward with someone you don't feel comfortable with. I think the first important choice today is, your choice of agent you want to use moving forward. If you feel like I'm someone you can trust and work with, yeah. first you make your choice of agent, then that choice determines the outcome of your buying or selling process. So kinesthetic people love that. Yes. You know, red type personalities who are time poor, very visual, just go, you know, <laughs> that's way too long for them to even wait yeah, to even cool. explain it like that. So you just, you ask a lot of questions. So selling isn't telling, as I said earlier, it's asking. If you ask enough questions, you'll get enough answers. Once you get enough answers, really listen to what that is. Now, most salespeople, Tony, mm. think listening is waiting for their turn to talk again. Yeah. When realistically, you're listening to gather enough information to put a proposal back. Yeah. So to a kinesthetic person, thank you, Tony, I've heard that. So, gee, that makes sense. I can see now why you'd want to do that. So, blah, 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 and away we go. The biggest challenge is 
when the husband might be a, what I call the red type personality, i.e. instant coffee's not quite fast enough for him. Yeah. You know, he wants three words, not 33, but he's married to a very kinesthetic, very what I call aqua person who's very yeah. slow, soft-spoken. And, and you look at him, you think, my gosh, how did you two get together? It's clearly the old saying of opposites attracted. Yeah. She must have been pregnant and you weren't. How, how are you two <laughs> together? You're not even close. It's, uh, it's amazing. So yeah. I found it was really interesting to have that dynamic, to be able to not be a chameleon, but just switch channels, mm. speaking to the husband who was a raging red, and just go, hey, Tony, what you need to know is this, and I just want you to be aware of that. I'll come back to you in a sec. Just bear with me. Just count to three, and I'll be with you in a sec. Now, Mary, how do you feel about what yes. we've just said? So straight away, I'm changing the pattern. And, you know, it does seem that that's becoming a little bit sort of uh, seemingly in this day and age where authenticity is one of the great mm. currencies for the salesperson. Mm. You know, I think people sort of see that as, well, that's a little bit misleading. But I think what we're trying to do is make ourselves, present ourselves as the best proposal they could have going forward. Yeah. No different to using underarm deodorant to make sure we don't show up with uh, bad body odour. You know, changing yeah. the approach and how we communicate is just giving us the best chance to represent ourselves in the best way possible. So no. how do you do it? You ask lots of questions. Their answers tell you everything. If you're really listening, you'll know how to tune into them. And, and then once you've tuned in, and most people want to deal, Tony, with people who are just like them or yes. someone they'd like to be. So yes. it, we know it's rapport that opens more doors. We've known that for way longer before I even got into sales. Yes. And you know, my message there is, is that rapport is something you earn, you don't build, you earn it. And you earn it by tuning into who they are, broadcast accordingly, make sure you're qualified to quantify how best you can give them a quality proposal. That's the three cues. I think you qualify the prospect to quantify who they are and then to give them a quality proposal moving forward based on what they've sort of said. Whether that be selling real estate has been my background, whether that be selling cars, it doesn't matter what you're selling. Mm. That, that, that process precedes the results as best I can tell. No, that's phenomenal tips. I mean, I, I studied NLP myself and I, the, the biggest takeaway for me was, you know, if you see the world through John Smith's eyes, you're more likely for John Smith to buy. And I, and I love that. So I get you're tuning into, obviously, I, I, I know they call it predicates, but the language in NLP, how they prefer to be communicated. But from your expertise and experience, Rick, what's the best way, once you understand what, what radio station they're tuned into, What's the best way to persuade an influence as well as matching their language or pace, pitch, etc.? Well, I think we've got to stop selling and presenting and we've got to start giving proposals and work with a you know, go-forward plan that we could work with together. By that, what I'm saying there is, is that I've done literally... <laughs> I'd lose track, to be honest with you, but I've done probably 10,000 listing presentations over my career. Yeah, yeah. I'm making that number up. Uh, at the end of that presentation of all of them, I've never once had a customer or a client or a consumer say, Rick, have you got any more awards, any more certificates, any <laughs> more examples of how awesome you are? We are so <laughs> pumped. We want to wake up the kids and get you to go through that whole presentation again. <laughs> at the end of a presentation, Tony, all they can say is, well, thanks. You've been very thorough. What we need to do as a couple is have a chat and we'll come back to you on Monday, which is code for get out of my house. You never understood me. Yeah. So I think what we've got to do is start off with a bit more of a pre-frame about how we want it, keywords there, pre-frame how we want to work with these people moving forward, Tony. So Tony invites Rick into his home to meet Tony's wife, Jane, and they're thinking about going through the process of selling. Mm. Uh, just letting you know, Rick, we were interviewing three or four agents. 
what that tells me is, is that um, they're wanting me to be aware that this is not just an open sort of sale opportunity. I'm going to have to do some work here. Yeah. But I don't hear the, the, the theme to chariots of fire in my headspace. And I'm not picturing, you know, William Wallace on a black stallion saying, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, sons of Scotland, this is, I am William Wallace. Yeah. What I see is an opportunity to actually go a pathway that I know three others won't do. Yeah. So if they're interviewing four agents, they're going to interview four number ones because everyone's number one for something. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm going to say, Tony, Jane, first and foremost, can I just start by saying thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you today to see how best, if at all, I can even help you with what you're trying to do with mm -hmm. this move. Now, this move you're talking about, it's not really about me and it's even less to do with our company, but it's everything to do with you two and what you're trying to achieve. So give me an understanding here. What are you trying to achieve with this move? Yes. So now I actually let them tell me uh, by default what they're looking for in an agent moving forward. Now my decision at the end of that, Tony, is to say, do I want to be that type of agent for Tony and Jane? Yes. Now, that's really where it comes down to, you know, again, it's consultative selling, not closing selling, which, you know, I think this is the time to close, but this isn't it at the start. We're just in the information gathering stage. We're in the qualifying stage. And I'm very big on this process we're about to talk about, this buying of a house, this buying of a car, this buying of a product, call it a widget for the sake of this, you know, whether we're selling, you know, high-end appliances, whether we're selling shares on the stock market, I don't really care. Mm. You've got to get them to give you a definition or an understanding about what they're trying to achieve with this purchase. And once you've got an understanding of that, now it's up to you to how you want to go about that. But I think mm. that's the key dialogue. This process we're about to talk about mm. during this meeting today, Tony, it's not about me. Jane, it's not about me. It's definitely not about our company, but it is about you guys and what you're trying to achieve. So give me an understanding here. What are you trying to achieve with this move? Yeah. You give me some feedback. I pull out a pen. That's P-E-N. I take some notes. And I say, do you mind if I take some notes? I've got a pretty good memory, but I want them to see that I'm listening. And yeah. the best way you can show that you're listening is to grab a pen and make a few notes. And, Absolutely. You know, and then once you've got that, now you go, look, if I've heard you both correctly, your, your problems have grown as your family has. Yeah. You know, two and a half baths don't cut it or two and a half bedrooms don't cut it. You want yeah. this now. And if I could find something for you to move across to that does A, B, C, but if, if we can tick all these boxes and perhaps if I can show you some boxes that you didn't realise needed ticking, uh, we've gone a long way to working together moving forward. Is that, is that fair to say? They normally will say, yeah, that's pretty good. I don't spend any time talking about where I stack up, what my track record is. I think those things are important, but not yeah. necessarily at that first engagement, I think. So we're, we've got to stop product peddling yes. and pushing who we are and what we do. And we've got to tune into them and find out what it is they're trying to achieve. Because I've got to tell you, Tony, sometimes I'm going to listen to Tony and Jane in theory, and I'm going to say, you know what, if I've heard you correctly, you want... Uh, 800,000 pounds for your house. Mm. It's very clear that all the evidence I can find in the market suggests 500,000. How have you arrived at 800,000? Mm. They say, this is what I want. Mm. I say, well, look, I want to be six foot tall too. Life doesn't give us what we want. It gives us what we measure up to. If you took a tape measure over me, I'm not quite six foot. Yeah. If we take a tape measure over your property, it's certainly not 800,000 based on the, the market evidence. Yes. So, you know, it might be that we best elect not to work with each other moving forward. That's kind of probably one of the best sales you can spend at the moment because we can't invest major time on minor prospects. You know, yep. I just think those type of 
sales that we think are a sale, well, they're really, they're going to be a time clogger mm. for you and there's only 168 hours in the week. Part of that you're going to spend sleeping. Part of that you're going to be spending spending major time with major prospects. So, yes. you know, not every sale that. is a good sale. And, and, and I, want to go, I want to play on the real estate scenario because that, that's my biggest market actually. Um, and I know, I don't know how it is in Australia, but in the UK market, real estate are being pushed on their fees every single valuation they go on, right? They, you know, yes. from a consumer perspective, as in a vendor, they're, they're, they view a lot of agents as the same. So, so many agents really struggle to command higher fees. What's your best advice, Rick, of how they can truly differentiate to command the fees that maybe they deserve? So Tony Jane, as you can appreciate, you've interviewed three other agents and I'm the fourth one now. I'm sure you've heard from three number ones and I'm just trying to see if I can actually equalize with that and explain to you that if you really wanted me to come up with my CV, I could do that right here, right now. But this process that we're really talking about here, in terms of the fee scenario, 95% of what our, us estate agents do is all the same. Yeah, we all put a board out the front, we can all put you online, we can all show your property to our bank of buyers and so on and so forth. It's the 5% that we do differently that we think makes the biggest impact going forward. Mm. Before I even talk to you about the fee, Tony, can I ask, what's your understanding, Jane? What's your understanding of fees in the current market? Now, they'll give you some numbers, Tony. They'll range from, you know, A to B. <laughs> yeah, call it 1% to 2% for the sake of this example, right? So they say, yeah, we hear it's anywhere from 1% to 2%. It's an 800,000 pound property. So it's anywhere from, you know, eight thousand pounds to sixteen thousand pounds as an example yes um and i will say to them well look yeah certainly certainly eight thousand would be a fee where an average player might play in the marketplace uh sixteen thousand is where the elites in the streets are being sold for with agents that have got very very good negotiation skills i guess my question to you is this knowing that there are no trade secrets i mean i know what xyz Z charge they know what i charge i know what one two three charges they know what i charge yeah. i know what abc charges so we all know everyone's charges, knowing that to be the case. Why wouldn't you think these other opponents would simply match our fee? Why do they feel so compelled to come underneath us? So you've got to ask yourself the question, are they competing in the marketplace, throwing in the discount ace to get the listing today, which if they followed that through in your thinking as sellers, you want to hope like heck they don't throw in the discount joker with the buyer as well. Yeah. So right. I guess my, 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 my message to you would be, you've now interviewed four, Mm. If we were exactly all the same, Tony, Jane, if we were exactly all the same, we all charge the exact same fee yeah. of the four you've interviewed. Can I ask, who would you use? And, and by the way, if that's not me, just let me know now and I'll be fine to pack everything up yeah. and leave you to engage another agent. But knowing that you've interviewed four, I'm the fourth one, you've interviewed four now. If we all charge the exact same fee, who would you go with? Who would you feel more comfortable giving your home to? Now, yeah, you'd like to think that you've done a good enough job, Tony, where they say, well, that would be you, of course. Now, here's what we do to really nail this thing home. Yeah. Okay. So what was it about me that separated me from the other agents that you talked to? Oh, well, I mean, you showed up on time. Okay, so I've got good time management skills. What else? We seem to have pretty strong knowledge about sales in the area. I've got great product knowledge. What else? I'll give you two or three things, right? Yeah. You just, just put it back to Tony, Jane, I've got to ask you with all due respect. Knowing that there are three key differences you picked out, wouldn't you expect there to be a slightly different fee based on the fact I'm delivering three things that these agents didn't deliver at the start? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so, but we're not comfortable with two. Can I ask what are you comfortable with? Well, we're comfortable with one and a half. Mm. Okay. 
all right, now I'm in a position where I go, now I mean, I've got the listing, by the way. Yes. Because really what they're saying is they like me, but they want me as a, at a fee of the other agents that they don't yeah. want to use. <laughs> yes. So Tony, if I've heard you correctly, you've chosen me. Yeah, pretty much. But the one and a half fee, who gave you that? Well, that was X, Y, Z. Okay, but they're the agents you don't want to use. So yeah. you've chosen me at the same fee as the agents you don't want to use. Here's the deal. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm going to do. We're going to get on the way at my fee and I'm going to deliver as much value as I can. I'm going to reserve you the right to renegotiate that fee anytime you like before you execute a contract from a buyer if I don't deliver on everything I say and everything that I know I can do. So I give them an out there. It's a concrete guarantee, effectively, that they can renegotiate if they want to. Now, no. you'd love to hear me say that no one ever took me up on that over my real estate career that spans now three decades. But yeah. I can tell you they did. But, you know, there's always somebody who's going to sort of, you know, maybe take that opportunity, yes. even if you've done a good job, right? Yes, but I don't think we should be policing to the 2% who are terrible. Let's yeah. go with the 98 who are pretty honest and, yeah. and just make sure we give ourselves the chance. So the three things you've got to do to protect your fee at the moment, A, you can't be a commodity because if you're a commodity, well, they're just going to go agent A, B and C, One's at one percent. One's at one and a half. The other's at two. Well, clearly, we're going to get eight hundred no matter who we go with. Yeah. So we'll go with agent A, who's one percent. So you can't be a commodity. Number two, you've got to say and put the cook in the kitchen and let them bake with the ingredients that they've got. I.e., you've just interviewed three. I'm the fourth. I could be the first one, by the way. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. I'm going to say I'm going to ask you to make the others sit the same test. But yeah. you know, um, how do I compare against? Oh no, you were this, you were that. Two or three things is all you need, Tony. Now you've got a key, key, some That's key great. fundamental areas where you can say, well, based on that, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't you expect there to be? By the way, we all know what we all charge. There's no trade secrets. Why wouldn't they just match my fee at two? Yes. Is it possible that they can't match my results? So the only card they can play in this game at the moment is the discount ace. Now, if they play that today to get your listing. Heaven help you if they play the discount joker with the buyer tomorrow and say, look, they want 800, but if you come in 750 with a strong terms and conditions, you'll probably get it. That's the way it looks like they deal with business. I never play that card. That's not how I, that's not how I build yeah. a reputation. I'm time tested for almost three decades. Yeah. So that's just not who I am. It's not what I do. So the three parts to it are equalize and separate. Yeah. We're all the same, but here's what I do a little bit differently. Now, you've interviewed us all. Who would you, who would you go with? If they say you, this is your listing now. Yeah. And then you give them the chance to tell you what they think is a fair fee. They say one and a half. How are you right at that figure? Yeah. Well, that's what we could have got from X, Y, Z. Okay, I understand that. But it sounds to me like you've chosen me at the same fees the agents you don't want to use. I love that. Is that what I'm hearing? I love And then that. they go, yeah, pretty much. Okay, let's get underway at my fee, but I'll reserve the, I'll let you reserve the right to renegotiate to, my, to that fee there, yes. that one and a half if I don't deliver. So that keeps everybody honest, doesn't it? I don't think I agents it. should be asking for a high fee if they're not going to add more value. Uh -huh. So you cannot possibly ask for more if you don't deliver more. But, you know, I'm pretty confident. I'm on good terms with myself. If that's another way for saying yeah. confident, that's really what I am, that I'm going to deliver a result for them. So I I'm not promising them 800, but I am promising them a process that I know I can deliver. Does that make sense? Uh, absolute gold. I adore it. I must ask you this before we talk about your book uh, to finish off the interview. What some of the, I know you've worked with some absolute sales gurus in your time, you know, and, and, and communication gurus, the likes of Paul McGee um, and so on and so forth. What's some of the best advice, Rick, you've ever been given in your career? 
Well, I've been very fortunate to be around uh, the late, great Jim Rohn, who was my personal mentor, wow. Tony. And, um, you know, I just did a, a Zoom session for his granddaughter who runs a network marketing company in the US. And for me to be doing a session for Jim Rohn's granddaughter and her upline and her management team and her sales division, uh, you've got to understand that was a real hair on the back of my neck stand up. I, would have, I didn't do that for the money. Yes. Um, I still took the money, but I didn't <laughs> do it for the money. Um, that was just cool. So Jim Rohn gave me three pieces of advice that I still try and live with every day. Number one, he said, is that today, is, this, is, this, this is probably the best thing I can give our listening audience. He said, work harder on yourself than you do at your job. Mm. Work harder on yourself than you do at your job. Work harder at the job of real estate, you'll create an income and that's fine. Mm. Work harder on yourself and you'll create a lifestyle and that's real fine. So work harder on yourself than you do at your job. That was the first thing I got for him. Mm. Um, the second part I got from him was first you make your choices, then your choices make you. I love that. Mm. Now, Jim Rohn was renowned for being the, the mentor to Tony Robbins. And I've been really fortunate to uh, have uh, connections with both those individuals off the stage and in private settings and dinners and things of that nature. And I love Tony Robbins' belief around it's your decisions, not the conditions that shapes your destiny. So mm. the conditions we're in right now in this COVID-19, I can't let them make my decisions moving forward. Otherwise, I might be in the decision of fear and I might be in the decision of scarcity and I might be in the decision of anxiety mm. rather than making a decision on the opportunity, the solution, and more importantly, the opportunity to move forward, helping everybody move to a better place. And I think the last one for me mm. is that, you know, in, in terms of all of these, and I could give you quotes from, you know, Dr. Dennis Waitley, and I could give you quotes from, you know, Stephen Covey, who we've been fortunate. And, and I've got to tell you, you know, Paul McGee, the sumo guy, is as good as, if not better than, all those I've just mentioned. He probably, mm. UK, a bit like Australians, we don't have the same arrogance as Americans, potentially. Yeah. Right? So we, we <laughs> tend to be a little bit more conservative and less self-serving in our belief about who we are and what we do. But um, I, I, I do absolutely believe in, the, in this, in terms of professional selling specifically as well, which is don't be a go-getter, be a go-giver. Yes. If you go and give everything you've got, you'll get everything you need because giving starts the receiving process. I'm not here to talk about what I can get for your home. I'm here to find out even whether or not we can work together. Yeah. So let's, let's just give of each other for this 45 minutes where we check out what's going on between ourselves. And in that last 15 minutes, I'm going to give you a proposal. And at the end of the proposal, it's quite okay to say no. Uh, I'd love it to be yes, clearly, because then we've agreed to work forward together. But, you know, I think they're the three best advices I could give you. And, and realistically, nowadays, you know, we can get the very best of Tony Robbins, the very best of Jim Rohn, the very mm. best of Dennis Waitley, the very best of Paul McGee, mm. the very best of Tony Morris at the speed of click. Yeah. You know, and, you know, you can jump on Ted. I mean, Ted's one of the, the most amazing sort of resources available. In You know, 30 years ago, we had to listen to a cassette tape. Some yeah. of our audience may need to Google what a cassette tape is, Tony, <laughs> yeah. but we had to get on a cassette tape and listen or we had to jump on a plane and fly somewhere. Yeah. Now we can just get there at the speed of click, which I think is, you know, fundamentally important. So, you know, I'm very, very, very blessed to have had these people in my life, mentorship, um, but you don't need to know them to even be mentored by them, really. You just access yeah. their material and you can be certainly far better for the experience. But they're, they're, they're three, I hope, that would resonate. Um, they're incredible. Rich, I cannot thank you enough for the absolute gold that you have, you have given my audience. Honestly, I'll, I've learned more in this half an hour than I probably have in the last year from all the books I've read. So thank you. Where can my listeners access and get 
obviously your books and your great content. Where's the best place for them to go, Rick? Uh, it's very kind. The, the easiest way, if they're into Audible, Amazon has my book, The Power of Connection, uh, which is the main title. The subtitle to that is How to Become a Master Communicator Effectively in Your Workplace, in Your Headspace and at Your Place. So it talks about that application process with that. Mm-hmm. And you can get that on Audible um, in terms of uh, all our resources that we've got. And, and, you know, so there'll be a small investment on the book. I think it would be, in terms of the power to the Australian dollar, it's probably just a few pence. <laughs> but um, uh, you can get that on Amazon as an audible. You can get it on, uh, you know, Booktopia, Amazon, um, you know, Wiley is my publisher. You can get it just about on most of the major outlets there. Um, and, you know, in terms of realistically my TED Talk or any of that sort of stuff, the easiest place is a bit like yours, really. It's really my website, which is just myname.com, which is R-I-K-R-U-S-H-T-O-N.com. It's rickrushton.com. If you go there, there's access to the TED Talk. There's access to the book. There's some free download stuff as well. Um, so that could hopefully be a resource that can help your people stay resourceful long after this particular interview. But if not, nothing else, hopefully we've exchanged a good half hour of power with them and you know, you can feel free to reach out any time through all the socials. And uh, if I can add value, I'll do my very best. Well, you've certainly done that, Rick, and in abundance. So thank you so much. Stay safe in, uh, in Melbourne. And um, I cannot thank you enough for giving me your valuable time. My pleasure. And here's to everyone's continued success that was a part of this particular podcast today. Thanks, mate. Stay safe, healthy and, and productive. And you. Thank you, Rick.